the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Six o'clock. We're going to be joined here in just a moment by Harding University. We're going to talk to their uh, associate pre- uh, professor of pharmacy practice uh, from the College of Pharmacy, and Melissa Ship is going to be with us, as well as uh, Josh Brown. He'll be joining us as well. We're going to talk about their philosophy, or not philosophy, their pharmacy. Pro- philosophy would be my bellywick. Okay, that's what I did in college. Uh, back then, uh, pharmacies weren't the big uh, be-all, end-all, get-yourself-a-good-job kind of thing. Uh, being a philosopher wasn't either. <laughs> I've proven that over my many years of working. But, uh, Melissa, how are you? And, Josh, how are you doing? Good to have both of you on with me today. Good morning. Doing great. Okay, fantastic. You there, Josh? Yes, sir. I'm here. Okay. I, I didn't hear you before. I thought maybe you didn't want to talk. You want to talk, don't you? <laughs> I'll try. Okay. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, Ken Yang here as well. He is the chairman of the Republican Party of Saline County, and he's also the chair of the chairs here in the state. That means all the chairs of the different counties talk to him about some of their ideas and things of that nature and he takes all that into consideration. And I guess you talked to Jonelle at that point. Is that right? Uh, the executive committee more so. Okay. Yeah. You're talking to Sarah Joe. Is that who you're talking to? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Just, just, I'm just trying to mm-hmm. get a name out there for people to, yep. you know, put on a dartboard. That kind of <laughs> thing. Anyway, uh, Mel- Melissa, let's get started. Uh, the whole thing about pharmacy now has really, really, really gotten big. I mean, we've we've got schools here in the state. People go to them to become pharmacists. Why don't we start off by talking about the pharmacist is your last defense after a doctor prescribes you something. uh, And, uh, you know, you guys know all the different medicines and you know what is going to react with what drugs. So. You keep the rest of us safe knowing that we can take both both or three or four or five different pills at one time or shots, whatever it is, and it, and it do good and not do damage, correct? Correct. A lot of people don't we know that. Known, and, and we are known as the medication experts, and, um, and now with how we are educated, we, we know more and more. Um, about medications and more than what I joke about just counting by counting by fives. <laughs> you know, 
Let's let's take a scene out of a movie that we just showed here recently uh, on the Dave Ellsworth Classic Movies. It's a Wonderful Life, and George Bailey, who is the main protagonist of that movie, uh, loses part of his hearing in his ear when the pharmacist he's working with whacks him upside the head because he notices that the medicine that he's uh, compounding, he mixes the wrong uh, ingredient in and could cause death of a, of, a, of a patient. I mean, even back then, and that was in 1943, uh, pharmacists played an integral part in, in your health, correct? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you guys go to, go to school. I mean, why don't you give that a little run over for people who are thinking about getting into uh, being a pharmacist? It's not just grabbing a bunch of buffered, you know, uh, material and mixing it together or reaching up and pulling some pills off of a shelf. Why don't you run over there? How, what exactly do you do? How do you know which pills don't mix with some other pills? Sure. So pharmacists, first of all, um, do take classes at an undergraduate program or, or at a university. And then we are accepted into a pharmacy program that is uh, multiple years that is geared just towards anything medical related. And so we learn the spectrum of not just chemically, how medications are formulated. We study how they are um, compiled into different formulations and how that um, is metabolized, how each medication is metabolized and absorbed, uh, distributed throughout the body, and so how the body affects the drug. And then we also are even trained to assess patients and, and we learn about each disease state and not just about what medications are best to treat each disease state, we learn why that is the case, but we also learn about what effects each medication will have on the body and how that can complicate or compound um, each patient and and their own personal um, health situation. Holy cow. I mean, look, I sit down, watch television at night, and Josh, I'm sure you watch TV, and Melissa, you watch television and every week, there are several different new drugs coming on the market. That means you guys are always learning, correct? We absolutely are. We're, we're called lifelong learners, and, and that is something that each person who um, studies a career in pharmacy, that is a responsibility that we take on ourselves. And so we, as other healthcare providers, we are consistently, constantly updating, educating ourselves so that we know the most up-to-date information. Okay, and then Josh, how has things changed because of COVID-19? You all are doing a lot more than just giving pills out. You all are inoculating people. Uh, you not only inoculate them about COVID-19, uh, you know, people go to see you about you know, uh, you know, they get their flu shots from you all. I mean, you guys are doing a whole lot more than just, you know, passing out elixirs and pills. Absolutely. Uh, COVID-19 really brought to the forefront the importance of 
pharmacists in the healthcare field. Uh, like you said, we are they're able to administer COVID-19 vaccines. They administer influenza vaccines on a yearly basis. Uh, we've been they've been given the grant of the authority to administer the antibody treatments for COVID as well. And so pharmacists really play a critical role in the overall healthcare field when it comes to making sure that patients get well and stay well. And you're kind of the last stop. Now, I know people talk to their doctors about different things, but there's all kinds of information out there on the Internet about all kinds of different things that people say, if you take this, you take that, it's going to reduce the symptoms of COVID-19. It'll keep you from getting COVID-19. Melissa, do you all have to be up to date on you know, some of the information and then the misinformation as well? Oh, my goodness, yes. And the misinformation, I feel like, is key, especially in in dealing with the, the COVID pandemic. And so we really do study and, and look at the different um, reports that come out and also just are constantly checking CDC websites, our our state's organization is excellent in distributing information, not only to community pharmacies, but just across the state in any kind of pharmacy practice field, just to make sure that everybody, no matter where they practice, that they are the most up to date. All right. So the field of pharmacological uh, you know, science is a growing field. I think that we can take that from what both of you have said. So what's the big announcement for Harding? Yeah, so Harding, uh, in the past, uh, we've been to more of a traditional college of pharmacy, which is four years long. So you have three years of a didactic curriculum and then one year of experiential education. Well, Harding has decided that we need to do something to kind of innovate the field of pharmacy. And in order to do that, we've changed to a three-and-a-half-year curriculum. So that means that our students now will be able to graduate much quicker. They'll be able to save some money uh, because they get out half a year earlier than most students. And so with that uh, getting out early, they're going to be able to enter the job market in a much more uh, needed time because in the past we've had a lot of pharmacists that say we need help now when it comes to uh, graduating in December as opposed to May because a lot of pharmacists will go on vacation or they'll – uh, retire at the end of the year, and so the students that will be graduating in December with our new three-and-a-half-year curriculum, they'll be able to enter the job market at a much more <clears throat> opportune time. And so in order to get more information about that, you can always visit our website at harding.edu slash pharmacy, uh, and from there, there's a whole list of all the information that you can gather, all the prerequisites that they'll need to enter the College of Pharmacy Uh, and a lot more information about the savings and uh, the accelerator program. Well, as you you said earlier, Melissa, that uh, a student that's going to come and and take this program, uh, they're going to have a degree in something else, correct? That is not actually necessary, and uh, many students do, but I would say roughly half of our students do have an undergraduate degree, but pharmacy has expanded to where we really have narrowed down what courses are the most necessary to have a foundation of knowledge. And so we at the at Harding's College of Pharmacy um, only require roughly a 60 hours of prerequisite 
courses. Oh, very cool. That, that That's awesome. That means a person can get in there and uh, get this degree quicker since you're talking about it doing doing it in less time uh josh and uh, cost you less money and get you into making money before uh, you would have uh when it was four years correct exactly all right well if you guys will hold on go get yourself another cup of coffee because probably you're not used to getting up this early if uh not quite yeah i i got you i hear you uh, you know, hold on, and I'll be right back with you because there's, I guess, some other questions. I'd like you to talk to, uh, you know, the students that are out there riding around maybe with mom and dad and, and are going to be going to school today or whatever, and tell them what they should be doing to prepare for themselves for a career as a pharmacist. 18 minutes after 6, East End Towing wants you to know that no matter what you, situation you find yourself in, I mean, look, it could be a flat tire on the side of the highway and you need somebody to come out and help you with that, or you need a tow because your car just stopped, or you need a tow and you happen to be towing a boat or a trailer behind you. All of that has, uh, you know, impact on what East End Towing is going to do for you. And just know that no matter the situation, that East End Towing is ready to help you. Put this number in your phone, 501 888-8849, 888-8849, and you'll be hooked up immediately with the professionals at East End Towing. All right, when we come back after the bottom of the hour, uh, Ken Yang and I are going to talk uh, local politics like we always do and who we think will continue to run for the offices they say that they're going to run for, who will change the offices that they're running for, and who will just decide not to run at all. So, because let me tell you, it's getting close now. February 22nd, that's when they got to start putting their money down. I'll be in the rotunda that day broadcasting live and having those people on. And you you may not hear from people that you thought for sure you are going to hear from because it's not cheap to run for a political office and it's gotten more expensive over the last few years all right if you've just joined us we're not talking about politics right now i'm talking about your education i'm talking about if you're younger uh, and getting ready to decide what you want to do for your life and uh, you know being a pharmacist is something that you're interested in because you get to you get to take place and, and work uh, about uh, medicine but then again you may not have to change bedpans or or look at blood you know uh, if you become a pharmacist not much the only blood that's involved in this is what sometimes when you give a shot yes every <laughs> once in a while <laughs> just i'm just saying some people you know they want to do it until they get to that first uh, autopsy and they got to watch it and it's like oh, i don't know if i want to do this you know the kind of thing <laughs> anyway let's uh how are you hey josh have you been in an autopsy i have not thankfully <laughs> you haven't been there i'm taking it melissa you have Oh no! I avoid situations like that. Oh, okay. How about that? I'm a I'm a radio talk show host, but I was a I was a crime reporter before I was a talk show host. So I've seen quite a few of those, you know. And oh, I, wow. I I've seen bodies in you know in in shapes that you don't want to see them. 
drowning victims and things of that nature. Not fun. But the bottom line is that this is a way of being involved in medicine and not only be involved in medicine, but continually involved in medicine because you got to know all of this stuff. And it's there's always new things coming up. I mean, it's amazing uh, what these uh, uh, large pharmaceutical companies uh, do. I'm I just was uh, prescribed a brand new medicine that I take daily. I only take point six five on this. And it has it has changed my type two diabetes completely. Uh, I think diabetic medicine and uh, you know the medicines that are out there, it it just has changed completely. They wanted to get me off of metformin. They said it was bad for my kidneys, and they've done that. And it's really amazing uh, how that's had an effect on us. So, is there, Josh? Let me go back to you since uh, you know you're an associate uh, a professor. Uh, dealing with pharmacy too uh, how does this change uh, for the kid that wants to be a pharmacist is there any change in what they're learning or are they just learning all the things they have to know and that's it i mean you don't have to learn outside your core classes or whatever well within our curriculum they will learn, obviously, all the uh, required material that they need to know. They do have opportunities to take elective classes. So if they have a, a special topic that they want to focus more on, uh, at Harding, we do allow them to take certain classes that they can kind of more narrowly focus on something that really interests them rather than just worrying about, you know, all the specific medications that they have to learn anyway. So within our curriculum, we have built in uh, kind of tracks that they can take. So if they want to focus on more becoming a pharmacy manager or focus on public health, uh, more advanced knowledge within the field of pharmacotherapy. Uh, and being a Christian institution, we obviously uh, focus on mi- the mission field as well. So we actually have a track to focus more solely on getting students interested in medical missions. And so within that, uh, we also offer a couple of dual degrees programs so that you get a PharmD as well as an MBA or a master's in information sciences as well. So all of these things are available and open to our students. And, again, you can find more information at harding.edu slash pharmacy. Well, Melissa, let me come back to you. If, if you've got a kid that's in high school and they've said, you know, that might be a good field for me to get in, what should you be telling your child? What, what type of, uh, you know, educational courses should you be telling them to take while they're in high school? Oh, yes. So the, the main thing is to make sure that the student does like math and science, um, although I know for me, at one point I liked chemistry, and then as I got further into my education and, and struggled some with chemistry, I thought, oh, my goodness, what, is this really for me? But what I learned is really just being a well-rounded student. And so you don't have to excel in just one thing. Um, we want you to, to write well, um, and that, shows, that helps show that you can communicate well. But the biggest piece of advice I could get for anybody who is interested in pharmacy is not just the schoolwork aspect, but to get out and shadow um, a healthcare provider. Um, go to a pharmacy and see how they work and, and really getting that hands-on experience, I feel like teaches you so much more than just in the classroom setting. All right, down to the final uh, minute and a half here. Where are 
pharmacists working at? I'll let one of you answer this because it's not just at Walmart, right? Absolutely not. And, and that's what's neat is, is just our scope of opportunities is just so vast. So, sure, we do work in the community setting at, at big chains and super super centers like Walmart, but we're also at mom-and-pop pharmacies, so um, where these pharmacies are local businesses and, and many times family-owned. We're in the hospital setting, both reviewing physician orders, compounding um, IV medications, but also rounding with the clinical team to provide that that fast on-site um, medical, medical consult. We compound medications. We're found in emergency rooms. Um, let's see, in public health services with either servicing military personnel or like with the Indian Health Service. And then, of course, my personal favorite, academia, where I feel like you really get a good blend of a lot of these different um, opportunities. All right. You want to know. We're found everywhere. You want to know more about all of this? Go to harding.edu slash pharmacy and you can find it. Hey, thanks to both of you for joining us today on the Dave Ellswick Show. Have a good morning. Thanks. All right. 25 minutes till 7 on a Wednesday. It's hump day, middle of the weekday, over the hill day. We are now closer to Friday than we were on Monday, and that's a good, you know, thing, to be honest. Now, I didn't take Martin Luther King Day off. Neither did Heidi. She was here working as well. But in February, we're going to take a day off. We're going to take President's Day. We get President's Day off. you got to pick one or the other. And I'm, I'm so used to taking President's Day off, I just stick with President's Day off. Why? Because it's in February. I don't want to take three-day weekend just after I've had two four-day weekends over the holidays. So that's that's the way I work it out. Hey, don't forget about Billy Mack. I've been talking to you. He's the owner uh, of a new uh, company that's part of the Dave Ellswick Show. We want to thank them for being part of the show, keeping the show on the air, keeping us uh, bringing you the information, and you're going to be interested in hearing some of the things that we're going to talk about locally here in just a few minutes between myself and Ken Yang. ICU, that's the letters, ICU Protection LLC is your Arkansas security experts. Billy Mack has uh, been doing uh, things dealing with security since the 90s. He's got his own company. They do a great job for you. And here's the big thing. You pay for the service, which starts at about $40 a month, can go up a little higher than that, depending on how many cameras uh, you want to have. But you don't pay for the hardware. Hardware is put there at no cost to you at all. And their cameras, you know, on the back of his business card, it says, got cameras? Yeah, well, the reason he asked you that is because most of you are like me, probably. You see the video cameras that they use in these security systems on television, and they're not very clear. You know, they're all grainy looking. They're black and white. It's hard to determine whether it's a male or female or, you know, a, a male playing like a female or whatever. Not with uh, his cameras, 1080p. You know, that's that's what your screen looks like on your TV if you got direct television. That's a clear picture. You can tell who is who uh, under under that camera. Plus, they have 
this whole thing where they use a virtual uh, area set up that if somebody passes past the virtual trip line, your your, uh, security system picks it up and it can tell whether it's a human, an animal, or it's just the wind. So uh, those are important things that you want. You know, you don't want to call the police out to your house if the wind just happens to blow a few leaves somewhere and uh, your your security system picks it up. Call them at 501-205-1333. That's uh, 501-205-1333. And you call them today and Billy Mac makes sure somebody comes out and talks to you about the services that they provide to you. Alarm, security, monitoring, home, and business. They do it all. That's uh, the folks at ICU Protection. Call them today, especially with the way crime is moving. It's not moving down. It's moving up. All right, Ken Yang is here. He was quiet. He didn't get into the discussion with the folks at Harding University with me. He was on his computer updating himself on what's going on out there and uh, he said something to me and during the break of the last hour got my attention Uh, secretary of state uh, race mark lowry uh, eddie joe williams thurston running running for it but mark lowry has decided now to step out of the uh, SOS race, and uh, no telling where he's going to look to to run next. Yeah, uh, I was told he was at the Washington County Republican Committee last night as a guest speaker and told the county committee up there that uh, he was dropping out of the Secretary of State's race. Uh, Audience member proceeded to ask, well, then what are you running for? And he just said, stay tuned for an announcement later this week. Okay, so we'll we'll find out. I'll get Mark on. We'll get him on Friday. Maybe he'll make that announcement on the show. Be good to to hear it. You know, we've got a. It's not a. It's a good problem, but it's mm-hmm. a. It's a problem nonetheless. Mm-hmm. You've got a lot of very good candidates that are out, that are out there, but you only have so many positions that those candidates can fill. Yeah. And if you're a candidate, you better have a pretty good feel about what you feel you have a shot at winning because it is not cheap to run for an office any longer. I was asking uh, uh, Ken what the the filing fee is to run for senator because Beckett's running, Jan Morgan's running, of course. Uh, We've got uh, John Bozeman running for re-election. And how much is it? Twenty thousand dollars to file. Twenty thousand. You got to write a check for twenty grand mm-hmm. and not have any. You know yeah. for sure. I'm going to win this when you get into it. Look, I go back and forth. I, uh, people that know me, you know, I've been involved in this for over a decade, and I've I've long advocated for lower filing fees. Okay, um, but I also see it both ways. Uh, filing fees, higher filing fees prevent, um, and not to say I'm in the business of preventing people from running. I, I'm a firm believer: if you want to run, run. Uh-huh. As a first generation immigrant, I don't. I think if that that's what's the mo- that's what's the most brilliant thing about this nation is anyone that's any anybody can run for office. 
Um, uh, however, uh, it costs a lot of money, uh, not just to file, but to have a legitimate campaign. People say, oh, I got a better idea than, than uh, so-and-so. Well, great. If no one hears that idea, it don't matter. Yeah, if you don't, if you don't have the money to get what you're thinking out there, yeah. and you're so in if trouble. people support you, they will give you money. And people say, "Well, I know people can't give me twenty nine hundred dollars, or even a, or two hundred and fifty, or whatnot." And you know, but people can give you ten bucks. People can give you twenty five bucks. People can give me five five dollars. You know, someone and that, that all adds up. Yeah. Ask Ask AOC. Yeah. I mean, and, and Obama was the one that started that those right. three dollar donations across the nation and raised almost a billion dollars just just doing that. Uh, and so it costs it costs money, and you have to, in my opinion, if you look at financial disclosure reports as a conservative, how people spend their money on a campaign is probably a good gauge as how they're going to spend the taxpayer dollars. Right. If they have a high burn rate this early on in the campaign, you're wondering, what are they spending all their money on? Because this is not the time to be spending money. This is the time to be raising money. Okay, so what if if you're out there and, and you're a candidate, mm-hmm. uh, Ken, now you, you work with various candidates yep. who are looking to get into an office. What do you tell them to sp- where to spend their money? Is it on social media or where is it? It's a... Uh, it, it, you need to raise all the money so towards the end uh, you can do uh, mailers. That's that's where you're going to win. And then and then if you have more money, you do mailers, you do radio, you do advertisements on social media, you do geofencing. I mean, but it, it's called direct voter contact. There's no purer form of direct voter contact than being at someone's front door. But at the same time, you need to be someone's at front door and reinforce that with six eight twelve mailers in the mailboxes all the way through through election day all right we're gonna come back talk more to ken about all of this here on the dave ellswick show we gotta get a break in want to remind you about david lucas financial uh millions of americans now are investing in silver and gold to, to try to protect their nest eggs with you know out of control government spending soaring inflation political unrest the rapid decline of the u.s dollar COVID, all of this is uh, changing the way that you look at uh, your nest egg. And uh, you can learn how silver and gold could help you protect your assets, your IRA, your 401k, your hard-earned savings. All you got to do is call 501-222-3315. The David Lucas Financial folks work with one of the only regulated and licensed national wholesalers uh, in the country. So you get direct prices from a dealer that you can trust. To learn more about buying silver and gold, call 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. All right, back with you. Our special guest joining us here for the last few minutes of this half hour, Michael Warren Davis is uh, joining us. And uh, Ken... Uh, Michael has been saying that the Republican Party uh, has not been doing enough to battle back against the lefties uh, in the Democrat Party. Is that kind of a short and sweet way of putting it, uh, uh, Michael? Uh, Yeah, that's right. So my book is called uh, The Reactionary Mind, Why Conservative Isn't Enough. 
and uh, and the basic principle, as you say, is that um, is that it can, can, it's not enough to be a conservative because there's nothing left to conserve. Um, you know, there's uh, the, the Republican Party and the institutions of conservatism um, have absolutely and you know objectively failed to resist the left. Um, and so we have to be more radical. We have to be working not to conserve, but to reclaim our birthright as Americans. Um, and that's why I say that we have to call ourselves reactionaries. Okay, so to go out and to uh, to make your point, what are you saying that the party needs to do? I mean, right now they're the minority party uh, in the, the House and the Senate. Uh, they can't really get any legislation through what do you suggest that they do? Sure. Um, well, uh, it's, my book actually isn't really written for the Republican Party per se. It's written for ordinary Americans um, who recognize that there is a conspiracy between big government, uh, big business, and big tech uh, to take away not only our freedoms, um, but our faith, our country, our way of life. Uh, and so I, I wrote this. The second half of the book is uh, what I, I hope is, or what I think is, um, good practical advice on how you and I as individuals can live uh, in total defiance of the modern world and reclaim that happiness that this conspiracy of globalists uh, is trying you know, to reclaim the happiness that they're trying to take away from us. But would you agree that elections have consequences and you're going to have to go out and win elections to be able to to make any changes whatsoever? Absolutely. But my argument in the book is that we have invested too much of our of our time and our manpower and our resources um, into electoral politics. Because when you think about it, you know, the, the impact that we as Americans can have, I'm having, a, I shouldn't be making this argument on <laughs> anywhere near the March for Life, because, you know, the March for Life is, is a terrific example of, of, of ordinary people getting involved in, in politics. But for the most part, um, to, to, to actually, you know, participate in politics uh, for the ordinary American is a matter of, really of, of, of staying reasonably informed that just takes a couple of minutes a day to into your favorite radio show uh, and, and to vote in elections, which, you know, doesn't happen very often. The rest of the time, though, um, there, there are there is there's a lot that we can be doing uh, to, to fight the to fight progressives. Not again, not just electorally, um, but culturally and economically as well. Uh, it takes it takes discipline. And it's a, it takes it takes a, a commitment to to live in a radically countercultural way because when the when the left controls all the institutions of power, um, then then we have to we have to do more than just vote. We have to do more than just tweet or post on Facebook. You know, we have to we have to live in this radically countercultural way. Okay, so would a good example of what your uh, proposing be Virginia and what we've seen happen just in the last few months there? I think so. Uh, yeah. The fight back against critical race theory of individual parents and, and families um, taking a stand against uh, against woke politics at the local level is a fantastic example of something that we can do. And believe it or not, you know, most of the laws that affect us in our everyday lives um, are the ones that are made at the state level. Um, and but you know, most most people when they think about politics, they're thinking about federal politics because 
partially because that's where all the money is, you know. Uh, but 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 really, um, we could. Uh, that's a great example. We could all stand to be m- way more involved with our local, you know, our local conservative um, state level uh, activist group. Absolutely. Yeah, I. You're singing. You're singing him for my choir book now. It's what I say all the time. <laughs> you know, lo- the the be- the closest government to you is your state, and then your cities and your counties, and your school board. Those are the people that you have a good chance of of changing. Uh, I mean, here in Arkansas, you got four congressmen and two senators. That's a total of six votes out of 500 and something people. That's not much power, to be honest with you. Yeah, and uh, I think that you as a, as a radio host knows better than anyone else you know, so someone, and I love Tucker Carlson, but someone like Tucker Carlson or Sean Hannity, you know, they, um, they, they're they obviously going to focus mostly on, on national politics yep. because, um, because you know, they, that's, you know, that's where the biggest market is. You know, Americans in all 50 states have the same federal government, but you as a radio host um, and, and, and so many great radio hosts across the, across the country, you're speaking to a very, to a local market so to speak you have a you have a state level and a local level constituency and i really do think that that's where the biggest political fights of the future are going to be that's where they've always been but we've been losing them because we've been too distracted by national politics again not saying national politics isn't important but one of the huge failures of the conservative movement has been to ignore state politics because it's not as glamorous as federal politics but that's a huge mistake well, I'll tell you that uh, here in the state of Arkansas, that uh, our congressmen and senators are all red. Uh, our, if you look at at our uh, our state legislature, we're basically red. But if you get into the cities and you get into the counties, it's still probably I'm going to say it's a pale purple, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, but we understand that, and we're fighting th- those battles now and trying to make the change on that. The big case is to make sure that the people that you're putting into power have the same thought pattern that you have and that I have and that Ken Yang has that's here in the studio with me, and uh, we get uh, a, a real conservative movement going back here in in our country. Give them the name of your book again there, uh, Michael. Sure, yeah. So it's uh, called... The Reactionary Mind, Why Conservative Isn't Enough. Uh, and it's uh, it's published by Regnery, uh, Salem Media Company. And uh, I, I, you know, it sounds like, I hope, your readers would really like it. So I hope to check it out. Well, uh, here's what I'll, I'll, I'll guarantee you. Since we're a Salem station, you're listening to an answer, you're on an answer station, uh, I'll make sure they send me some books that I can give away on the air and we'll get those thoughts that you've got out there to our listeners. How's that for you? I appreciate that, sir. Thank you very well, much. Well, we appreciate you joining us today. Michael Warren Davis here on the a reactionary, reactionary politics. I like it. You saw it in Virginia. It can happen anywhere if people will get involved. Thanks a lot, Michael. We appreciate you. You have a good day. You too. God bless you. All right. Bye-bye now. Yeah, that... that that is uh, that's a, that's the truth of the matter. Yeah. It won't change unless you and I'm talking to you, you specifically, who's listening to the show today, don't get involved. Yeah. Well, it can change the opposite direction. I mean, look at Georgia. 
um, you know, reactionary can be reactionary for the liberals. On the other side, too. On the other side. And that's what happens if, you know, we have super majorities here in Arkansas. But if we're not careful, um, you know, that can easily change within a couple election cycles. Yep. It doesn't take long. It's 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 the bane of uh, what we deal with uh, in politics in this country. You know, people get uh, fat, dumb, and happy, and they don't go to the polls or whatever, and some of these crazy people get in there. I mean, AOC and well, we have and, to get to the point Warren where and the rest of them. We know that our Republican leaders are fighting for us. Where we don't, you know, he talked about. Uh, how we don't, you know, typically pay attention, but that's how sh- our great country should run. You should be a regular citizen where you kind of get the news and you go home and you trust the people that you elect to protect you from the radical left. And what has happened is, uh, you know, we dropped the ball on the culture war, and that's that's a big part of why we're in the crapper that we're in today because we we kind of shrug our show. Oh, just let them have it. Well, and, and then we you know, got we've got members of our own party for instance when it comes down to critical race theory that don't do what they know they need to do to stop it they don't do it and it drives me crazy and and that's why parents have had to rise up uh and and taken time away from their families to protect their own children uh uh from from the public from really bad public schools we got two minutes i really think that at the top levels of even of our our uh, Republican Party, there are members. Uh, not all of them. All right, again, I, I never paint with that broad of a butt brush, but there's some of them that believe that uh, parents shouldn't have as much say in That's their right. education. Well, you look at the Republicans that vote against school choice That's every right. single year. Absolutely, you're exactly right. Yeah. That's why. And that's part of the platform. Yeah, that, that's why we keep pushing on this and i've been pushing on it for over 10 years i've been pushing on it since bruce westerman came up yeah. with an idea to get around lakeview and we're gonna push those people right out of office yeah we got to push some of them they've yeah. got to go they've got to go i i agree with you wholeheartedly all right let's get to the news at the top of the hour and then congressman hill congressman westerman are coming up here on the dave ellswick show along with ken yang and myself dave ellswick stick around got a lot more to talk about into the second hour second hour we go to washington dc or somebody or or talk to somebody who works up there and we're going to be talking to 
Congressman French Hill, District 2, with us uh, during this half hour. Typically, this is the half hour that we carve out for him, and he carves out for us, and he can talk about what's happening uh, in D.C. So let me just start off with it this way, Congressman. The president today at, uh, I think, 4 o'clock is going to have his ninth presser uh, that he's done since he's been elected president. Tomorrow will be his uh, complete first year in office. If you were a if you were a uh, newspaper person, if you were a journalist, uh, what would be the question that you would want to ask of the president? Well, Dave, it's uh, great to be with you and Ken. And uh, you know, I was just reflecting, listening to your your opening that he's only had what'd you say six press conferences? Uh, this would be his ninth, but ninth. by this time in President Trump's administration he'd had 27 yeah plus president trump had one every day practically yeah. uh and uh, press availability and i was i just thinking about the regular approach of that of so many presidents that they just set a schedule and stuck to it uh, i think nixon uh from i mean kennedy on basically had these and so this is just joe biden's been invisible from true scrutiny in the press my first question would be uh you know, which of these crises are you going to pivot and change direction <laughs> on? Because seriously, this is it. Are you going to fire somebody? Think about it. Are you going to fire your Treasury Secretary for giving billions to China and not doing anything about getting people back to work? Are you going to fire Millie Orcas, uh, the Homeland Security Secretary, for leaving the border wide open? 170,000 migrants encountered per month average. Uh, triple what it was under the uh, President Trump's regime and fentanyl pouring in the country? Are you going to fire Jennifer Granholm, the energy secretary, because she laughs and says we don't need fossil fuel anymore as people pay a dollar more per gallon than they did this time last year? So I I got a lot of questions. And the number one question is your administration is failing and administrations are people. Are you going to fire people and start a new team? Does he really feel like he's failing? I mean, even though your your uh, you know your numbers are in the tank, they're in the crapper, uh, and you're looking and you know the American people don't like what you're doing. He still says things like, "Well, we haven't gotten our side of this story out to show people that we are <laughs> succeeding," and I, I just find that unbelievably myopic at best well i mean it's dumb i mean they can i mean the democrats and the left always have a media advantage year-round seven days a week 52 weeks a year so he has the media's voice he controls the senate the house and the entire executive branch so he has nancy pelosi chuck schumer and every one of his cabinet secretaries who talk about his priorities every single day the whole news cycle so to say you haven't gotten your word about about how thing, great things are going, it's a joke because his policies are a joke, whether we're talking about the border and the economy, the energy, foreign policy. And look, here's the bottom line. Uh, he has a 33 percent approval rating, and it's that way across the board with voters. And his approval rating is less. It's lower than Richard Nixon's when he walked out to the helicopter in August 1974. It doesn't get any worse than that. Yeah, you're right exactly about that. It does not get any worse than that. He was a pariah 
in the in this country and that's what uh, this president is like and his vice president has already reached critical mass and it, it it's it's not good it's not good for the democratic party they know that 28 of their members in the house have already said they're not running for re-election yeah we got two more yesterday but you know your point about the vice president's an important one because this is uh, what creates a deep funk and uh, malaise for democrats because boy she was the shiny object in the 2020 uh, campaign it's going to be fantastic to have Kamala harris as vice president she's uh, groundbreaking in her nomination and in her election and she's been a complete disappointment and no one puts any faith in future uh leadership uh from uh, vice president harris so they're in disarray. Their party is in disarray. But who is who is the who's the most disappointed by this? The American people, the American people who's hurt by this failed leadership, our families, our businesses, our hospitals, uh, our, our towns and cities along the border. So who cares if the Democrats are all depressed yeah. about it? The problem is the terrible impact on our nation. Well, the ha- happiest person about all this is Hillary Clinton. Um. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, this is in the uh, I can't believe it category. So uh, yeah, I'm, it's competing. I think Ken Yang makes a fine point that uh, that uh, Hillary can once again say I told you so, and Bernie Sanders can once again deliver two failed uh, elections, screwing up the 16 election and giving us Joe Biden in the 20 election is for the Democrats. So we don't forget to thank Bernie for all this mess. But yeah, Hillary's excited. But again, as I always say every week, not as excited as Jimmy and uh, Rosalind Carter, who get up every morning thanking God there's a president worse than he was. Now. Oh, man, there's yeah. no... <laughs> I, I heard the vice president use that word malaise a couple of weeks ago, and I thought the last Uh-oh. time I heard... A high official say that was Jimmy Carter. Yep. I got my sweater on right now thinking about it. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm just I'm just at, at all that, uh, um, you know, Biden's chief of staff uh, practically said that, uh, you know, everything's good. That, you know, we, we don't have a passing grade yet, but we've made so much progress on COVID and the economy <laughs> And that uh, I think they're, they're, the article today on the Politico was, you know, we're, we're a presidency of four years, not one year. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're good. It's, it's all good, Americans. Yeah. If, if this doesn't work, we're going to pivot. Well, let me tell you what. None of it is working. And where are you going to pivot at? And right now you got a, you've got another uh, huge, huge problem that is brewing on the border of Ukraine, and what are you going? Saki said war footing yesterday. What? Yeah, again, this is a problem, uh, and I wrote an article about this in Washington Times last week. This is a problem again of Barack Obama, Joe Biden's creation, because in 2014, when. Uh, Barack channeled his inner Neville Chamberlain and had his Munich moment of letting uh, Putin take Crimea without firing a shot under some trumped-up 18th-century pretense. Uh, You create this. You fed the hungry beast, and just like uh, Neville Chamberlain, then prime minister in the U.K., fed the hungry uh, 
Nazi war machine, Hitler, uh, by saying, oh, hey, uh, don't invade Europe and we'll give you the Sudetenland uh, bordering uh, Germany and Czechoslovakia. It'll all work out. Well, he just invaded, you know, immediately thereafter. Yep. So we're this is a challenge that Barack Obama has created. Same by letting Russia partner with Assad in destroying Syria since 2011. It's another one that Obama abdicated on. Obama abdicated on ISIS. Uh, and in every instance here, uh, Russia's gotten their way. And even President George W. Bush in allowing them to maintain a border incursion in uh, Georgia going back to 2008 signals to the KGB leader of Russia, look, you know, I can I can dink around on the border of my country, violate the U.N. Uh, rules on sovereignty of another country, and there's no price to pay. I, I, I'm, I, you know, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, I, if I'm uh, reading everything correctly, the Biden administration has said the only repercussions of an invasion are sanctions. And those, yeah, and, and those aren't guaranteed, Congressman. Germany is not going to sanction the Soviets because they get almost all their energy from them. Yeah, and this was another critical mistake by this administration to permit Nord Stream 2 to go forward. This was the lobbying by the former leader in Germany, Angela Merkel. And uh, we want a diverse uh, Europe not dependent on Russian energy, which is why we've been exporting LNG, liquefied natural gas, both to the Mediterranean and to the uh, Baltic. And we want to make sure that we're an alternative to that so they're not held hostage by Russia. But, look, Germany led the way in Europe. It's the largest country in Europe, largest economy in the Europe, largest population in Europe. And they wanted it. And uh, Biden caved into it. And uh, he shuts down our pipelines. He shuts down construction of the Keystone Pipeline. He lays a thousand people off in Little Rock, Arkansas. A thousand people. Wellstrom has no employees basically right now. It's not on the cover of the newspaper. And that's principally because of shutting down the pipeline construction industry in this administration. And yet he greenlights uh, something that gives Putin more power. Well, I'm going to tell you what, Congressman, just before we take the break, let me say this. that If people doubt what I'm saying about Germany, just pay attention a little bit. Uh, Britain was sending anti-tank weapons to, uh, to the uh, Ukrainians, and the Germans said they couldn't use their airspace. They wouldn't let them fly their C-17s over Germany. That doesn't just say something. That shouts something, to be honest yep. with you. All right. Yep. Let's come back and talk further here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. 17 minutes after 7. Don't forget about you know, Pat Davis and what he can do for you as far as your health insurance. Uh, he can save you money. He can get you. Let's say you're Blue Cross Blue Shield. He can work with you and get you no co-pays on that Blue Cross Blue Shield. Doesn't matter what type of uh, insurance you're using if it's if it's sold here in the united states he can work with it and save you 30 to 50 percent when you talk to him uh talk to him about deductible busters deductible busters it's really important that you talk to him about that just use that word he'll know you've been listening to me and uh, he'll give you all the rundown on that but you got to call him 501 605-6935. Number one more time, 501-605-6935. Or visit him online at yourhealthplanman, 
That's one word, yourhealthplanman.com. All right, so we're back with Congressman French Hill, and we've been talking about what's going on in Russia. How, how worried are you that Russia is going to invade Ukraine? I think it's a distinct possibility. I think it's obviously a huge mistake for Russia. <clears throat> this is not Ukraine under Obama. President Trump armed Ukraine. President Trump uh, supported the political development in Ukraine. So we have a stronger democracy in Ukraine. We have a unified people. We have a much larger standing army that's much better armed than what President Obama had left. Uh, I've met with uh, Ukrainian parliamentarians. They're absolutely committed to Western values, Western Europe connectivity, and not moving towards Moscow. They don't want to be an 18th century vassal state. But with that said, look, the hungry beast over there has seen that he hadn't paid any price before. It's important for all of NATO, including Germany and the United States, Canada, to be united, saying this is not going to happen and we're not going to permit it to happen. We should be moving additional air air assets, in my opinion, including F-35s into Romania, and we should be unified in our support. And this is why what the Germans have done is very not constructive, absolutely not constructive. Um, not a surprise, as you point out, but not constructive. If uh, Russia did this, uh, they would overwhelm uh, Ukraine. There would be a lot of people killed. They've already killed 14,000 Ukrainians. Nobody mentions this. Russians have murdered in the Donbass region of Ukraine, 14,000 people just over the last uh, year or so. And so it's already, uh, they're busy killing people. Um, and you can say, well, why is this uh, in, important to American taxpayers? Well, let me tell you, China is watching this. China's already abrogated a 50-year treaty with the UK and taken over Hong Kong. China wants to take over Taiwan. Mm -hmm. Russia wants to take over the Baltic states of Latvia, Lithuania, and have full access uh, to the Baltic Sea. They used to control those independent Estonia, uh, Baltic republics. Russia leader Putin wants to put the old band back together, period, full stop. That's why he sent troops into Kazakhstan last week. And Europe needs to say bullshit. No, we're not doing this. We are not doing this. This is ridiculous. Uh, and they need to stand up unified. That's the whole purpose of uh, the European partnership. And it's time to put our foot down. And Obama wouldn't do it. Uh, Trump helped by moving troops into Poland and by arming uh, defensive weapons for, for Ukraine. Well, Congressman, you read my mind, and you briefly uh, alluded to it, uh, you know, before I moved uh, about China. But you know, my dad, growing with my dad, who'd, who'd fled communist China, he talks about Putin. He's always says, you know, once KGB, always KGB. Uh, That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I, you know, I, I don't want to be in the uh, the service of you know conspiracy theories and whatnot. But the Winter Olympics are just right around the corner. They're in China. And a lot of lot of the theories out there is the timeline is uh, after uh, the Winter Olympics are done and all the people in the rightful countries are back at home. Do you think, you know, we asked about invading Ukraine, what's the possibility of China invading Taiwan, and what's the possibility of China coordinating all of this with Russia? 
<laughs> well, certainly the Russian and the Chinese see an opening to make America's life difficult. That's why they're. I expect to see them arm and move more heavily even into Venezuela than they are already. They're backing the Maduro regime through Cuba and through Chinese loans now. Uh, and that's right in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, that's why they persuaded their uh, former communist, meaning Soviet, but now fully communist leader back in charge of Nicaragua uh, just a few months ago to recognize China and uh, close their embassy in recognition of Taiwan. So they want to do that in the Western Hemisphere. China, I think it's premature for them to, quote, invade Taiwan. So I don't anticipate that. I hear it. I hear the the discussion, uh, but <clears throat> I don't think they would do that. Uh, in my opinion, I don't think they have the forces, the will uh, to do that. And I think Japan and the United States and the Taiwanese, um, you know, would just not facilitate that. And that's a very dangerous conversation. But uh, so I'm a little thinking that's premature to say that. But anything that Putin does, we have a track record. He's been in office 20 years. It'll be 30 years soon. And wow. he has a track record of doing this and doing it without, as I say, paying a price. You said sanctions. Uh, they are talking about uh, sanctioning energy, sanctioning finance, sanctioning each of the leaders inside Russia more so than even in the past few years. Uh, cutting Russia off the SWIFT system, which is the international wire transfer system, <clears throat> and all petroleum imports and exports around the country, as you know, are priced in dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's what they're up to, and that's why Russia and China are working on a way to uh, abolish the dollar as the world's currency and create a uh, move to you know an alternative. So this is a complicated topic, but it starts with standing firm here with um, the people in Ukraine to not let them be invaded and have their their uh, territory and their sovereignty destroyed by, by Putin. All right. Last question for me, and I, I didn't mean this to be a whole thing about Ukraine and anything, but I just think that it's a serious, serious time over in Europe. What does this say about NATO? If NATO just kind of capitulates on this, I mean, it's only the British that is, and the Americans that have given the, the Ukrainians any kind of weaponry. Nobody else is offering any help. Well, the French and the British are both in Ukraine and in a training capacity, and have been uh, helpful. I'd say the most outspoken person that hasn't towed the line is Germany in answer to your question. Ukraine is not a member of Germany. It's not really eligible to be, I mean, not a member of NATO. It's not eligible to be a member of NATO as of yet. But we don't want Putin saying who and who does not get accepted to NATO. That's true. That's the main issue here. And that's why all of Europe and NATO needs to stand firm here and keep uh, Putin out of Ukraine and let Ukraine resolve its domestic issues uh, itself. And he will be, you know, engaged in a <laughs> another bloody uh, civil war if he goes into Ukraine. And I don't think that's good for his PR. All right. We appreciate your time, Congressman. It's always a pleasure. You Great have a good day. You. All right. Bye-bye now. Yeah, Congressman French Hill. A lot of of good things that he brought to the table today to talk. 
And you know what's going on with Germany. Germany wants uh, natural gas. What I don't understand is why they want it from the Soviets or from the Russians when they can very well get it from us and liquefied gas uh, from the United States at a cheaper price and from a free nation. I don't get it. All right. Bill O'Reilly is up next. All right, before we get to talking to Congressman Westerman, let me remind you about P.I. Roofing. Talk about P.I. Roofing a lot here on the show. They have been my longest-running advertiser here on the Dave Ellswick Show. They've been with me for 20 years. I appreciate their support. Uh, They support uh, the show because of what we support, which is your freedom and talking about your freedom and talking about the politics that are going on uh, today in the world. Uh, but they do the job right. I mean, I have no problem talking about them because they are the professionals dealing with your uh, your roof. They can, they can do it all. Uh, they can fix it. Uh, if you got a big hole in the roof because of a branch falling from a tree or you just got a few small cracks, but it's leaving water into your home and it's getting behind your drywall or uh, it's getting behind the drywall in your ceilings. They can fix it for you. All you have to do is call them. 707-3551. No one, no other roofing company has walked my roof, worked on my roof except for PI Roofing because they're the best. Just telling you right now, they are hands down the best. 707-3551 or Visit them online, piroofing.com. Uh, All right, we haven't heard from the congressman yet. Congressman uh, Westerman will be calling us any moment. I got his thumbs up last night. I, I asked him, you ready for uh, 7.35 tomorrow morning? And I just get a thumbs up. All right, so I know he'll call us. So uh, that's come anytime. Could be that he, uh, I don't know if he's here in Arkansas or if he's up there right now. I got accosted by like, Corey Bush or something in the elevator. Yeah, who knows? Who knows what's going on up there? Maybe ROC invited into breakfast. I, I doubt. I doubt <laughs> that. Haley Westerman. I doubt AOC, that. Omar Talib. <laughs> That'd be a breakfast. They're reaching across the aisle. That's what's happening. No, I don't know. Anyway, we'll we'll see what uh, what what Bruce has to say to us here in uh, in just uh, a few moments. So if you'll talk for a moment. I'll text him real quick and say, call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, I'll just go ahead and, and pivot. We didn't get to spend too much time about uh, um, local politics, but, you, you know, you have a lot of primaries going on, a lot of changing of races, things of that sort. And, uh, you know, I think people can go to the – a lot of people don't know. You go to the Arkansas Secretary of State's website and go under elections and search under financial disclosures, and you can see – uh, how much money candidates have raised and where that money is coming from, uh, where they're spending that money. And it's a good gauge of support. You know, are there, are there support coming from uh, special interests or are there support coming from the people uh, within within the district? So, um, you know, all that all those numbers came out yesterday. They were due. And so, you know, you have a lot of listeners that are always wondering where follow the money. Well, you can follow the money on the just Google Arkansas Secretary of State. Uh, there should be a tab under elections, financial disclosure report, and you can look up uh, who who gave what and to who. Yep, 
and how much money a, a candidate has. That's right. Because what when you look at that, it tells you how much, how many people are behind. Them. Yeah, and there's a limit. You can only give twenty nine hundred dollars per individual per election. So you can get twenty nine hundred dollars in the primary. Twenty nine hundred dollars in the uh, general. I guess twenty nine hundred in the runoff, but twenty nine hundred primary, general, and per individual. Uh, businesses are prohibited from giving uh, to candidates here in the state of Arkansas, and uh, and also you get a, a tax uh, a credit. You get all of it back. Uh, married couples a hundred dollars, individuals fifty dollars. So if you're a married couple and you get, gave. Uh, uh, Ken Yang for Arkansas, $100. You can report it on your tax and get that $100 back from the government. That's cool. It works. Say hi to Congressman Bruce Westerman, Ken. Hey, Congressman Westerman. We were talking about that. You, you might have been having a breakfast with AOC and Tlaib. Yeah, they, they're, they're reaching across the aisle to you. Yeah, there were no animals farmed in the preparation of the breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. That's great. Well, hey, we wanted to. I've gotten some text messages, and we weren't able to talk about this with Congressman Hill. We kind of focused on Ukraine and, and China. We want to pivot with the big vote over there on the Senate. If you hear anything or know of anything in regards to that, just just awful voting rights act that apparently according to the democrats uh because republicans don't support that bill uh, we weren't able to celebrate uh, martha luther king Jr. that's right i i couldn't celebrate martin luther king day yeah well that's just another farce and uh i don't think it's going anywhere in the senate it's good uh, uh i mean who knows how it's going to turn out but there's there's a lot being said about it that I don't think is true. All right. Let's talk a little bit about it because that bill runs completely counter to what the Constitution says about how elections are to be done here in our country. This It would seem to me it wouldn't take long to get this thing up in front of the uh, the Supreme Court and them to strike it down. This is all an election ploy. It has nothing to do with voting rights. It, uh, it it does have something to do with voting rights. I think it actually would restrict voting rights. It would push Democrat policies. Um, they're used in places like California, all across the country. Uh, do away with all voter ID laws. You know, when you do polls on this, um, most Americans think that we should tighten up the voting system in the U.S. That it shouldn't be, uh, you know, easy for people who aren't even citizens of the country to vote. Just like in New York City, uh, they've announced now that they're going to let um, non-citizens vote in uh, elections in New York City. I mean, they've been doing it, but now they're just boldly saying they're going to do it. So they're they're totally uh, putting a. Um, a straw man and a red herring and all that in one bill and trying to make it sound like they're doing something good when what they're doing, I believe, is in a violation of the Constitution and it wouldn't hold up in court. Um, and I don't even know that they really want to pass it. What they want to do is try to make it sound like um, Republicans are trying to restrict your uh, access to the polls and you know they talk about all these 
uh, all the gerrymandering happening in Republican states. I was uh, in the gym earlier with a couple of members from Illinois, and they were they were wondering when Merrick Garland was going to file suit on Illinois for the uh, the gerrymandering there, which is um, worse than anything you'll see in any other state. Yeah, I've been you know, going. That's been going on forever in Illinois. It's, let's face yeah. it, and then if you get into northern Illinois, it's terrible what they've done up we've there. We look at like just Maryland. You know, a lot of the uh, uh, so there in the liberal states, there are many uh, congressional districts that are not aren't even contigu- contiguous. Uh, uh, they're, they're one spot over here, one spot over there, which is just and crazy. They don't touch. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, those counties out in Western Maryland, they wanted to uh, uh, secede and join West Virginia. Uh, that little little strip that goes along the the um, western part of the state of Maryland. <clears throat> but um, yeah, this is not about voting rights. It, and I, one thing I've learned here is when the Democrats put a title on a bill, the actual effects of the bill are probably polar opposite of what they say they're going to do but they're not trying to or in they may say they're trying to but they wouldn't be protecting anybody's voting rights and the you know other than you know the biggest thing i've seen is they would do away with all voter id laws what does that tell you uh, and then they also want to use tax dollars in elections so that you would get a six to one match on your campaign donation so if i raise $100, I would get $600 of federal tax money to go into my campaign account. Yeah, that's sure crazy. Most people would be really excited about that. Yeah, that, that's nuts. That is absolutely crazy. And, uh, you know, I think the Democrats know that they've lost November already. I think a lot of this is is pivoting to to set up the narrative that they can use for 2024. Do you think that that's correct, Congressman? Well, I was just getting ready to, to say, Dave, that this administration, to call it a disaster, may be too kind. And the Democrats in Congress are not any better. Um, and it's really, it's the, the AOCs and the Bernies of the world whose policy is driving the whole Democrat Party and driving Joe Biden. You know, he was supposed to be the guy that, that came in and cooled everything down and, um, you know, had these, this bipartisan approach, but it's been nothing but strict partisanship. Uh, we do very little in Congress uh, on big bills that's bipartisan. Uh, you know, we don't even have a, a, a spending bill yet, and all accounts are we're going to operate this whole year on a continuing resolution. Uh, because wow. there's basically no way to come to agreement on the spending bill. But you look at what they've done with <clears throat> with energy, with inflation, with Afghanistan, uh, with the um, pandemic, like everything this administration and these people touch goes the wrong direction. I can't think of anything they've been successful on yeah. that's good for the country in the long run. Well, so... That's why we're working on, um, you know, a big policy framework, and we're going to have a good message to give to the American people for the midterm elections, and then in '24 when we get a chance for a, another presidential run. Something that I've learned from the Democrats over the years is this: they're really good at projection. 
whatever they're saying that the Republicans are wanting to do to take away your rights is exactly what they're working at to do at that given moment. We may not even be working on it, but they are. And when the president gave his speech in Georgia, let me just read what he had to say. He said the end game of Republican state legislatures is to, quote, turn the will of the voters into a mere suggestion, something states can respect or ignore, assuring listeners that what he was saying was not hyperbole. He added, your vote won't matter. They'll just decide what they want and then do it. Now, Senate Democrats may vote today on the proposal that would nationalize election law, which would do exactly what the president said the Republicans are wanting to do. I mean, this this is this is amazing. They do that on lots of stuff. And I don't know why more people don't figure out what they're doing when they they say that. But um, I, I can't think of a worse bill. Even the the build back Beijing or whatever it was called, bill, <laughs> I don't I don't think it would do as much long term damage to our country as this HR one. Um, they've got many versions of it, but it's the it's their number one priority to fix the elections so that they can stay in power because they know on policy they can't stay in power. When it comes down to the policies they're pushing, to the socialist agenda, to the um, destruction that they're doing to our country, Americans aren't going to put up with that. So they want to rig the system where they have these uh, federalized voting laws, which basically means we're going to take California's laws, we're going to copy them around the rest of the country, we're going to let anybody vote that shows up to the polls, we're going to let you register the same day, we're going to let you mail in ballots, and... uh, you know, the, the way they do it in California is they count ballots till they win. Yep. You know, even the president said that, and and it was said a long time ago by Stalin. He says, I don't care how many people vote. I just want to know who's counting the votes. And, exactly. Uh, you know, that's the key. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. <coughs> We're going to talk further with the congressman here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Ken Yang is here, of course, uh, the chairman of the Saline County Republican Party. Don't forget about East End Towing. They are the people to call if you have a problem on uh, any of the central Arkansas roads and you need a tow, get your car outside the road, get a tire change, get a key out of your car, whatever, uh, they can handle it. No matter the situation, East End Towing can handle it. All you have to do is call them, 501-888-8849. That's 501 501- 888-8849. All right, we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Ken, you had some other questions for the congressman. Yeah, I think uh, uh, something that uh, you had posted about yesterday, Congressman, uh, you know, two, twofold. Uh, you had posted about the, uh, you know, vaccine mandate being done, done away by the uh, U.S. Supreme Court, which is good news, but also the fact that uh, uh, you, we have, you can get, we can order up to four free COVID at-home tests sent directly to you by the United States Postal Service, uh, absolutely free. And I think you included a link on your uh, uh, webpage and Twitter and whatnot. And then I want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, well, I was going back to the Supreme Court decision. 
I think the, the court did a, a good job on that on private individuals. I understand why they uh, allowed uh, people who take Medicaid and Medicare uh, to be mandated by CMS on, on vaccines. I don't agree with it, but I see the logic behind uh, that decision. And that's the problem with, with all these federal programs that go all across the country. Once you uh, once you take the drug and you're hooked on it, you're indebted to the drug dealer. And that, uh, uh, that's what they do with these, these programs. But they had no right to go in and tell uh, private employers through OSHA uh, that you had to impose a, a vaccine mandate. Now, that makes me reflect back and be thankful for having three new Supreme Court justices uh, you know, we knew that was, was big at the time, but it's good to finally see justices that look at the Constitution and interpret the law uh, based on the con- Constitution. And we'll have a lot more big cases coming up uh, before this court. You know, we had the Right to Life march over the weekend, and uh, got the big one in D.C. here on Friday. But we've obviously got the big Dobbs case out of Mississippi in front of the court, and uh, I am so thankful that the previous administration was able to put three uh, three justices on the court. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, along with that, I, I didn't you know agree with the uh, health care part of mandating. But uh, you know what gets gets lost in all of that too is that the Supreme Court justices did also say that these same people do uh, can submit a religious and or medical exemption, yeah, exemption something that i think the left was tr- trying hard to take away from a lot of folks oh I, absolutely and you know this is it's, it's trivial to people outside of dc but the mayor here in dc has now put an edict out that to go into a restaurant you have to show your vaccination card and your identification along with it to get into a restaurant papers please that's where the that's where the that's where the left wants to go and of course you know dc really is run by congress but congress has uh, given power over to the the city over the years so it looks to me like we need to do a reset and rein in some of that uh that power that the, the liberals this may be this may be more liberal than any place in the in the world here around DC, but um, you know they live off of the government Lagrasse and you you're still seeing construction and uh, new things being built and real estate prices going up and it's all government funded at the end of the day. And by the way, did they happen to say whether they're going to make people have yellow stars on their coats? Well, they haven't got to that yet. They, they, that may be easier than checking your ID. Just that's you know, what throw, I'm saying. Something on your garment, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm saying. That's kind of how he got started in Germany, doing that kind of stuff. It's it's crazy. You think it can't happen again? Don't believe it, Congressman. You 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 well, do your you do the job you've been doing against it all the time. Yeah. yeah, you keep doing your job. That's what you want to do. All right. So what? Twenty nine. Democrats are not running for re-election now. Uh, Pelosi, the writing's on the wall. She, she's not going to be uh, the head of of uh, the House anymore. She doesn't have enough votes. She just barely squeaked by the last time. You think she's going to run again, or do you think that she's going to hand the baton off to her daughter? Uh, 
Well, I think she will run again because she's the cash cow for the Democrat fundraising machine. And I think if she announces she's not going to run again, then it's going to be harder for her to raise money. So my guess is she will run and then retire after the election, even if somehow the Democrats retain the majority. She has said she won't run for speaker again. That's kind of the promise she made to the squad so that they would support her for speaker this time. So she won't be a member of Congress if she's not speaker. And uh, I don't know how all of that will play out, but the rumor is that her daughter will, will run for the seat. I also heard they're changing your last name to Dingle. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't Ironic you said that. I've got a, a committee hearing here in a little bit, and we're marking up a bill that uh, Debbie Dingle is, is really lobbying me to to vote for. And I love the bill, except it's uh, it's, uh, it's the Restoring America's Wildlife Act. The only problem with it is, is uh, the funding is mandatory, permanent, and non-offset, oh, and that's brother. pretty much a non-starter for me. I got you. Congressman, we're out of time. When you're back in the area, let's get you back in the studio for one day and uh, and sit here and talk. It's always good to see you. Uh, enjoy your day up in the wonderful area of Washington, D.C. You bet, Dave. Always good to be with you. All right. Ken. We'll talk to you later. Thank you very much. All right. We're out of time. Tomorrow, Thursday, uh, you know, Joe and Duck are going to be on. We're going to talk cars with them. Not exactly sure who'll be on in the first hour. I'm working on several different people, but nobody's given me a thumbs up yet. So that's the way I always know when Congressman Westerman is going to be on because he writes back and he just gives me a thumbs up that he's going to be on with me. Ken, thank you very much for coming in today. Yeah, Always interesting to talk to you about local politics. We'll do more of that next time. Right now, time for us to get out of here. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.